Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. Well, you are so, so welcome. We are glad you have chosen to be with us on this Remembrance Sunday. Uh, Just before we go any further, uh, I want you to know that we are thinking about all of you who are involved in our security services. We're mindful today of the thousands of people all over the world who have lost loved ones through all sorts of conflicts. And uh, we pray as the people of God have been instructed to do so for peace on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, We have some uh, family news today. It's maybe not news if you've been tracking with us over the last uh, couple of weeks, but uh, today is officially uh, Jenny Geddes' last day as a staff member here at Lagan Valley Vineyard. And uh, we want to mark that. We want to pray for Jenny. But uh, just before we do that, I want to make this very, very clear because there have been awful rumors flying around that Jenny's leaving church. She's fallen out with us all. She's had enough and she's just going somewhere else. Uh, That couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, Jenny is very much a part of our community and our family here at Lagan Valley Vineyard. And uh, she very much intends to stay a part of our family. Uh, But she is today embarking on a new chapter in her career, and uh, whilst we're sad that she's leaving uh, our staff team, we are excited about what she is stepping into. So Jenny, will you uh, join me? We would love to pray for you this morning. This is uh, slightly awkward for us, because normally what we would do is gather around Jenny and lay hands on her and all that sort of stuff. Um, We can't do that this morning. I also want to make you aware that uh, Jenny... uh, doesn't really want to say that much right now because she thinks she might get emotional. So, um, so wherever you are, would you join me as we pray for uh, as we pray for Jenny? Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for Jenny Geddes. Thank you, Lord, that you made her, and thank you, Jesus, that you led her to this family. Lord, we're so grateful for all of the hidden and unseen ways she has served us over the last couple of years. Father, thank you for the way that she goes about her work. Thank you for the life that she brings to all those who meet her. And Lord, we simply pray today, would you bless her at the beginning of this new season of her life. Holy Spirit, we pray for favor. We pray for faith. We pray for courage and creativity. Jesus, we recognize that you are a wonderful leader, and Lord, we recognize that Jenny follows you so well. We celebrate her commitment to listen to your voice and to do what you say. And so, Lord, we pray that this would be the beginning of a season of abundance and continued flourishing in her life. Bless her, God, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I wish I could hug you. I'm not allowed. All right. Um, 
if you have uh, Jenny's number, um, or we're not going to turn her email address off today, so um, would you please get in contact with her, uh, express your gratitude for uh, how she's served us over the last couple of years, and please do pray for her as she steps into an exciting new time in her life. Well, what a, what a week it's been. Um, I don't know about you, but it, it's a special time when observing another political system that makes Northern Irishes look functional. Um, it has been a chaotic and a crazy few days. It is so good. I've been reminding myself this uh, since Tuesday. It is so good to be anchored into something um, so much more stable and secure than the choppy waters of 21st century politics. Um, we have been journeying through the book of Matthew as a church family since the beginning of last December. Some of you are saying, I know, Andy, it's time for a new series. Um, well, sorry, uh, there are good news for those of you that are loving the book of Matthew is that we're halfway through. Uh, it's taken us nearly a year, and uh, we are halfway through. We're in Matthew chapter 14. Um, those uh, Bible scholars among us will know that Matthew has 28 chapters in his gospel, and we are halfway there. Remember what Matthew is doing. Very deliberately, he is articulating the story of Jesus. And Jesus had one purpose, to proclaim and demonstrate true reality, and to invite those who had ears to hear him to live in that reality. There's a biblical expression for what true reality actually is. It's called the kingdom of God, the place where what God wants happens. And when Jesus began his ministry, he began it with this proclamation, repent because the kingdom of God has come near to you, or turn your life around. The desires of God are coming alive on the earth. The kingdom of God, it's the place where what God wants happens. And Jesus spent his life teaching and demonstrating what those desires looked like and inviting those who followed him to learn how to have their lives enfolded into those desires and to take up their place, demonstrating them to the world around them. We are in uh, Matthew 14, uh, verse 13. If you have a Bible, why don't you open it? I'm going to read this uh, famous passage for us. This will be a familiar story for many of you uh, today. This is Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. It says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. Now when it was the evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place. The day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We only have five loaves here and two fish. He said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down in the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. 
and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over. Those who ate were about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. Let me pray for a moment. Holy Spirit, come. Father, we need your voice in our lives. Come speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder, have you ever had a moment where you were just done with people? I kind of feel that way about um, several of my brothers and sisters in Christ in America right now. It's maybe not all that appropriate to say, but it's true. Um, like, you, you just need to get away to a quiet corner to turn off the noise and just be by yourself. Jesus in this moment is in that place. Remember what's just happened. Stu talked about this last week. He has just heard the news that his cousin and comrade John has been brutally beheaded. His heart is broken. And so he withdraws by himself to a desolate place. So often, I think we, we miss the small details in the Scriptures. We've become very familiar with some of these stories, and what's actually going on in them is utterly missed by many of us. I wonder how many of us are living with broken or troubled hearts at the moment. The loss of loved ones, the fear of livelihoods, 2020, the year that the hug died. One of the things that I find really comforting about this passage is that God, the creator of the universe, understands heartache because his heart ached. Jesus, in this moment, is so like us. His heart is broken, and he thinks, I just... I need a quiet corner to be by myself. His heart's broken. He withdraws to a desolate place to be alone. But verse 13 continues, when the crowd heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Jesus goes to a desolate place and the people follow him there. And perhaps this is where we see beautifully the humanity and the deity of the Christ Jesus. He is so like us in his heartbreak, he withdraws to be by himself, and he is so unlike us that when the crowds follow him there, the text says he has compassion on them and he healed their sick. He doesn't meet them with this, guys, I, I just need to be by myself right now. My cousin's just died. My heart is broken. The weight of the world is on my shoulders. Can you just give me a minute? That would be my response. Jesus sees the crowds that have followed him to this place of desolation, and his heart in its broken state is full of compassion, and he heals they're sick. This story is perhaps one of the most famous in the story of Jesus, the little boy's lunch that feeds thousands, five loaves and two fish. Sunday school 
101, but as I've prayed for us this week, as I have sat with this text, I I found it very difficult to get past the very first verse. When Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. They followed him to a desolate place. I've kept hearing in my own heart from Jesus over and over and over this week, Andy, would you follow me to a desolate place? Would you follow me to a desolate place? Desolation means a state of complete emptiness or destruction. I'm not a fan of those types of places, if I'm being honest with you. Truth be told, I spend a fair amount of my life trying to avoid those types of scenarios, situations, or places. But what do we do when Jesus is in that type of place or that type of situation? We have a choice. Will we follow or will we stay where we are? There are two feasts described in Matthew chapter 14. The feast of the world and the feast of God. Stu talked about the first one last week. It takes place in Herod's palace. The feast of the world, it's in the palace, a corrupt king surrounded by extravagance and affluence and abundance. The feast of the world typically looks incredibly attractive And it typically doesn't cost us very much in the moment, but it costs us everything over the course of our lives. What does that look like? It looked like Netflix on the sofa instead of prayer stools on our knees. The feast of God, however, it happens in places of desolation. Herod's birthday feast in Matthew chapter 14 is attended by the powerful and the elite. The people that follow Jesus into the place of desolation are the lost and they're the broken. Those so desperate for God that they would follow him anywhere. Lagan Valley Vineyard, one of the most important questions, I sense the Holy Spirit asking the church in the world today is this. How desperate are you for the presence of Jesus? How desperate are we for the presence of Jesus? Like I said, desolation means a state of complete emptiness or destruction. Nothing lives there. A place of desolation was a place of death. The people followed Jesus literally to a place of death. This is foolishness to the world that in death we would find life. And yet it's the gospel. There is no resurrection without crucifixion. And yet so often we get confused when following Jesus feels difficult or hard or like a dying to self. Come and die 
so that you may truly live. It's gospel 101. I shared with you back in September that as a team, we spent the summer praying and seeking God over what we should do about returning to corporate Sunday worship. Through August, we had a growing sense from the Holy Spirit that it was actually really important for us as a church family not to rush back. But there's part of the story that I didn't share with all of you that I think is actually important for us to be aware of. One Tuesday afternoon in mid-August, I was praying at my desk about returning to in-person services and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, I had a really clear picture from Jesus. Truthfully, it disturbed me at the time. In the picture, I was standing in a hospital uh, room, like a side room, and there was a woman on a bed in front of me, and she was on life support. And I knew that the woman was lagging Valley Vineyard. And I knew that the life support machine was Sunday services. Don't ask me how I knew, I just knew. And as I was standing there looking at her and this machine, Jesus walked into the room and he looked at me and he said, Andy, turn the machine off. And I, I protested. I said, straight back, Lord, if I turn the machine off, she'll die. And he said, if she doesn't, I can't resurrect her. Sitting at my desk, praying, seeing this picture, I, I started to tremble. Never in my whole life before have I ever thought about those whose job it is to turn life support machines off. The last few months for us, I know, have been incredibly hard. I know there are many of you who have struggled greatly. It might be helpful for you to know, so have I. I've spent most of my adult life leading the church. Being in a room like this, full of people opening the scriptures, sharing the heart of God, trying to help people connect to Jesus. It's a huge part of how I understand who I am. Maybe the last few months have felt like you're in a desolate place. The last few months for me have felt like living in a desolate place. 2020 was hard enough before the Lord invited us to follow Him into a desolate place. And the question for all of us is, will we, have we, do we follow Jesus? Jesus spends the day in this desolate place ministering healing to those in need. And verse 15 says, now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. The day is over. Send the crowds away to go into the village to buy food for themselves. The disciples, like me often, they, they, they couldn't get it more wrong. 
They see, but they don't see. There's no life here. Send the people away. And notice this phrase. Notice what the disciples tell Jesus to do. Send them away to go and buy food for themselves. Self-sufficiency is one of the great barriers to life in the kingdom of God. We are not supposed to buy food for ourselves when we're following Jesus. We have a different source, or we're supposed to. You know the story. They find five loaves and two fish, and they bring them to Jesus. Verse 19, then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven, and he said a blessing. Remember, every moment for Jesus in his life is a moment of teaching and a moment of modeling. What do we do when we face unclimbable mountains? How do we approach problems that seem so much bigger than anything we have in our hands to solve them? Jesus is holding something so insufficient in light of the problem that the people are facing. There are thousands in this desert, and someone gives Jesus five loaves and two fish. You can hear some of the disciples sniggering. What a ridiculous thing to do. What do you expect he's going to do with that? At least maybe we can watch him get his stomach filled. Jesus lifts up this lunch, and the text says that he says a blessing. It's a traditional form of grace. Scholars suggest that this was the blessing that Jesus said. As he held up these five loaves and these two fish, he said, blessed are you, Yahweh our God, king of the universe who brings forth bread from the earth. Then he starts to break it and give it and break it and give it and break it and give it. And thousands are fed. Jesus takes what wasn't enough to solve the problem and begins to worship. He reminds himself and anyone who was near him what true reality really is. Yahweh is our God. He is the king of the universe, and he is able to provide for us whatever we need, whatever we face, wherever we are. With Jesus, there is no such thing as a desolate place. On our own, sure. On our own, certainly. We got to go find something for ourselves. But with Jesus, places of desolation become places of destiny. Deserts become gardens. Dry bones become armies. Learning to worship in the desert changes everything. Let me go just a, a little bit deeper for a moment. Five and two are not random numbers in this text. They're kind of lost on us. 
But to the Jewish reader, they would instantly think of the five books of Moses and the law and the prophets. The loaves and the fish are a metaphor here for the word of God. What sustains us in places of desolation is not our numbing out on Netflix. It's not our intention around exercise. It's learning to feast on the Word of God freshly made available to us every single day. Jesus, in his beautiful way, is saying life in desolate places doesn't come from providing for yourself, but comes by feasting on the Word of God. Look what happens in verse 20, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of pieces left over. Intentional numbers again, enough, enough for the whole nation. Imagine this moment in the middle of a desert, leaning back, satisfied. The word of God changes deserts into gardens. Will we learn to follow Jesus wherever he leads? Will we worship wherever we are? And will we learn to feast not on worship experience created or curated by others for us, but by the word of God made freshly available for us in our homes every single day? This story has haunted me this week. I can't help but think about the people who stayed at home. How many people heard where Jesus was or where he was going and said, that place, why would I go there? I have a lot going on right now. I'll talk to Jesus when he becomes a little more accessible to me. I'll go out to Jesus when it doesn't cost me as much. I'll, I'll listen to Jesus when he comes near my house. I, I'll go back to Jesus whenever his pattern fits more with my pattern. Jesus is doing something in the desert right now. Will we go there to be with him? Jesus is at work in the desert. Will you follow him there? I know that church on a screen is hard. I know that Tuesday morning prayer meetings and Wednesday evening prayer meetings are not convenient. Will we follow him to desolate places? How hungry are we for his presence? Because This is the crucial piece and part of this story. It is entirely logical that everyone that got fed took the extra home to those around them. We cannot give something we have not received. You cannot give your family what God wants to give them until you've received it from him. You cannot give your work colleagues what God wants to give them until you have received it from him. And we don't receive it when we stay at home. Sure, we row our own boats and we do the Jesus and me kind of thing. But the life-giving, 
sustaining, transforming Word of God that is enough for the whole nation has to be received before it can be given. I get it. This feels hard. It looks like a desolate place. But I want it to be true for me, and I am praying that it is true for every single one of you, that I would rather be with Jesus in the desert than in any kind of palace without him. It is not our job to just get through this year. It is not our job to just survive. This is not a moment to just dig in and cope, to numb out with Instagram, TV, or the gym. Jesus constantly invites his followers to give up the palace and all of its comforts and to find a feast in the desert. And when we eat that feast, there isn't just enough for us, but there's enough for the entire nation. I invite the band to come up. I'd love us, I'd love us to respond with open and hungry hearts in this moment. If you're at home, if you're in the car this week, wherever you are right now, it's a moment for us to express our hunger for the presence of Jesus wherever we are. It's a moment for us to recalibrate our lives to set down the distractions, to be prepared to leave the comfort of the palace, to walk into the place of desolation and discover that with Jesus, it becomes a place of feasting. And not just for us, but for everyone around us. I wonder, will you receive? Will you receive from Jesus? in this moment. Let me pray, and then the band are going to lead us as we do that. Holy Spirit, I welcome you now. Jesus, we want to follow you wherever you are, wherever you're going. Jesus, would you stir hunger in our hearts? And would you receive our worship as we pour out our love for you? 